If there are no more announcements, let's all bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we come before thy throne of grace and it's always good to be in your presence because you have promised it wherever two or three are gathered together in your name you will be there with us in our midst and we pray for your presence we pray for your holy spirit to be our teacher we pray for your word to have its free course in the lives of men and women both converted and unconverted we pray, Lord, that it would all redound to your glory. Be with the dear family, the Wilkoff family, as they grieve over their dear sister who has left them for a short time and will one day be re reunited with them. We pray that you would continue to watch over them and provide for their every need. Also for those that are shut in, for the sick, for the widowed and the orphans and the isolated we pray your blessing upon them as well be with the church members that and friends that have got gathered together in brunswick in beverly hills this morning for the wedding of our brother josiah and sister laura tack we pray that your blessings may be upon them and you'd encourage uplift and inspire every one of them that they may be blessed and in return give you glory and praise we ask these things in the precious name of jesus amen <clears throat> there are two very momentous occasions occurring this weekend and um, my mind was divided between the two but the scripture says that we ought to be always it's better to be in the house of mourning than in the house of mirth and we will do that by reading from the book of John chapter 11 the gospel according to the Saint John chapter 11 I'd like to read through as many of the verses. Maybe up to verse 44. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her <clears throat> sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? 
Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye believe, that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she <clears throat> went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose, arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews which were <clears throat> with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out followed her saying she goeth unto the grave to weep there then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him she fell down at his feet saying unto him Lord if thou hadst been here my brother had not died when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? 
Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he that hath been, he hath been dead for four days. And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou should, wouldest believe, that thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin, Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. I've read up to and including verse 44. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. When we look into the Word of God and we look around about us, the more we look and see the true light, as Jesus mentioned here to his disciples the darker we see this world really is. The world is so dark, so confused, so perverted, so twisted, that when I see some of the headlines, I don't even go there anymore. I've seen it repeated over and over and is becoming more and more depraved. The answer to this world is not better politicians. As one person said, I'm thankful that I don't get as much government as I pay for. The answer to this world is the truth that is found in the Word of God, and that is personified by Jesus Christ. In chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In this chapter, he said, I am the resurrection. And trying to make the world a better place doesn't occur by reformation politically or economically. It comes from transformation of the inner man because that's where it all starts. The inner man, 
needs to be transformed. Romans 12 says, by the renewing of our mind. We have an account here where this becomes reality. Where Jesus is always redirecting the thoughts, not only of those that disliked him, but his followers. He's redirecting their thoughts from the earthly and the fleshly and the carnal to the spiritual. You know, last night I was typing on my computer doing, preparing for the service today. And uh, I get a ping on MS Teams because my Teams has got my work messages as well, as well as being able to view the services and CFG. And uh, one of my project managers says, Doug, get off the computer, enjoy the rest of the day, rest of Sunday. I said, actually, I'm preparing for a sermon tomorrow. And uh, he sort of knew I was in the, in the ministry, but he said, are you a part-time or a full-time pastor? I said, well, you could call me a, a full-time lay pastor. In other words, I work during the week. Uh, I do all kinds of things. As, as a matter of fact, when you see my notices saying I'll be away, because I've got to attend a funeral. I take the day off or the weekend off and, and I explain to him, every time you see that, I'm doing something in service for the, for the church. And, and uh, when I mentioned that, he said, oh, that's got to be, I'm trying to think of the word he said, quite, um, difficult for you to do the different word I can't think of it now but I explained to him that actually I find being at funerals as an opportunity to preach the gospel especially to the unsaved and he got more into more into in, involved in what I do and that's what I believe funerals serve one of the one of the reasons yes it's to say farewell to the dearly departed but it's also to remind people and this is what I said to remind people of what the real meaning and purpose of life is. That's what it's all about. It's to, to remind us, for those that are behind, for those that are left behind, is to remind us what the real meaning of life is. It's also to say farewell to our dear, dearly beloved on earth. Make no mistake about it. But God works in many wondrous ways. His wonders to perform. 
in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. And just to remind us that this one day will also be our end is a, is a stark reminder. of why we are here, what we are doing here, where did we come from, where are we going to. We see the account here, Jesus had just come from wherever he was into Bethany, wherever he was, he was with his disciples uh, in some town somewhere far away. It could have been um, maybe two days walk that's the hint that's given here it was two days but by the time he got there it was four days that Lazarus has died so Jesus was being urged you know don't you know that your one that you love is sick don't you know that like you would wonder how long have they been with Jesus don't forget, this is coming towards the last week of Jesus being here on this earth. So he's been three full years with his disciples. And Jesus asked that question when they came down from the Mount of, of Transfiguration and, and the disciples couldn't cast out that demoniac. And they said, look, we, we, we asked your disciples to cast him out, but they couldn't do it. And then Jesus said to them all, Oh, perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Don't you haven't you seen yet what I've done? Don't you get the message? There was a time when Jesus gave them power, it says in Matthew chapter 10, when he sent out the 12 apostles. And he gave them power over demons and, and, and all kinds of diseases. And they came back rejoicing, Luke says. They were rejoicing that they could cast out devils. And Jesus said, don't rejoice because you can cast out devils, but that your names were written in heaven. That's what you need to rejoice about. And no matter how many miracles they've seen, and no matter how much wisdom he has demonstrated and shown and they were they still always are trying to give Jesus direction or suggestions on what he should do are we like that you got it all wrong God you should be doing this how come you're not doing this we question God we Second guess God. When will we learn? I speak collectively here. Jesus comes into... He's, he's trying to reason with, with um, the disciples. When he heard that therefore he was sick, he abode in the place two days, still in the same place where he was. Then after he saith to them, let us go. Let's go back to Judea. He was outside of Judea. Let's go into Judea. Two days walk, looks like it. And his disciples say unto him, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and you're going there again. Again, they're questioning him. Do you know what you're doing? 
Do you know your life is at stake? How many times did he tell him, I've got to go back to Jerusalem anyway. I'm going, to, I'm going to be delivered to the hands of the chief priest and I'm going to be killed. So do you know where you're going? He knew where he was going. You know, even his dear mother, you go back to chapter 2 of John, the Cana of Galilee, the wedding in Cana of Galilee. Remember that one? His first miracle. He was in Galilee. And they run out of wine. And his mum comes up to him and he says, Son, we've run out of wine. What did Jesus say to her? Woman, what have I to do with you? Don't you know my hour is not yet come? Now, a lot of people think that that was a derogatory term. He didn't, a term. He didn't, he didn't speak with respect to his mother. He was too harsh. But others say woman in those days meant lady. Dear lady. She still had to learn. She had to learn something. You know, I know what I'm doing and I'm going to do it when the time comes. And he wasn't, that, on that particular occasion, it wasn't necessarily speaking, my hour for crucifixion is not yet come, but he went ahead and did it right that day. He, his time, the timing of that miracle was in Jesus' hands, not in anybody else's hands. You know, what a lesson for us that he's the son of God. And when I see what was said to John the Apostle in the book of Revelation, he said, I'm telling you these things which I have received from my Father. Even the revelation of God. Jesus said, I always do those things which please my Father. Whatever I hear the Father say, I, I say it to you or I do it. And what an example for us, the Lord. We call him Lord, yet he served us. We call him Lord, yet he himself asked of his Lord, as it said in chapter 22 of Matthew. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou here until I make mine enemies thy footstool. That should really humble us to the dust to know that Jesus was continually subject Jesus, the Son of God, was continually subject and subordinate to, to God the Father, this Trinity, this triune God. So he comes into his disciples and says, and they, they ask him, you know, you're going to be stoned? They were going to stone you once? And Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Again, this is God's timing. He says, 12 hours in a day. There are 12 hours. My Father has allowed, allocated for me 12 hours even in this day, he's saying also. In this world, as long as it's light there, the sun is up. You should know where you're going. But he's saying, if you're listening to God, if you're following the path that God provides for you, he sheds light upon your way. Thy, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. 
a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path, or vice versa. God gives us that direction if we only seek him. Show me the way. Guide me. But we take things into our own hands, and what happens? Many times we trip up. Many times we fail because we went ahead with our will and we were expecting God to rubber stamp our will and in the end we fail and that miserably because we don't listen. Because we don't obey what he said in the first place. If a man walk in the night, he stumbles. If you walk with, with spiritual darkness, you're going to fail miserably. And you've seen that, you know, going through my own um, video archives of my family when I see what the kids went through and the things that they, all the fads and, and ways of this world or their friends that they followed and the silly things, the foolish things that they did, I was like that too. I was like that too. So I look back and say, look what they did. They went knocking on people's doors and just running away. Or they knocking on the doors and, and, and mockingly they were singing Christmas carols, for example, because they wanted to have fun. And then they angered the neighbors. I'm confessing on their behalf, but glad it wasn't worse. But when we walk in this dark darkness of, of, of this life, we're going to stumble, we're going to fall, and, and, and they regretted it. My kids regretted it, I regretted it, you regretted it, because we didn't follow what we were taught as little children when we grew up. Jesus said unto them, plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus died. This is another reality of this life. He is my good friend. He was a dear friend to me, but Lazarus died. And there was a purpose in that. There was a purpose in that. And they had to see it. And then you get the answer. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he does well. Good. He needs to rest. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then Jesus said, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. What was the purpose? He said this, and let them, let them talk. Let them air out their thoughts of what they thought so that when they see the final result, they'll catch themselves. Say, oh, I better be careful next time. I better not be second-guessing God. I better not be telling God what he should be doing. I was just appalled when I heard one of the pastors as well has a huge following in this, in this world, in, this, in North America, when he said things like, you know, Jesus said a lot of things that he probably didn't believe himself. 
and it doesn't make sense to us. So he, he went according to what he thought was relevant to our culture, culture and therefore Jesus may have said that, but he didn't actually believe in himself. And he leads a mega church. This is the trouble we get ourselves in when we don't follow the word of God. He doesn't accept the word of God as given from God. God breathed. All scripture is given for edification in righteousness and in truth and so forth, right? All scripture, not some, all. And they go according to what they think should be because it, you know, the political uh, atmosphere now and the, and the culture doesn't buy into it. So I've got to somehow adapt to bring them in, whether it's evolution, whether it's transgender, whether it's same-sex marriages, anything, as long as I can bring them in because they just have to hear something from the Bible, not everything that Jesus said he believed. We've got to be very careful that we don't leave the word of God behind. It is the pillar and the ground of truth. The church is the pillar and the ground of truth that needs to be custodians of the word of God as it has been entrusted to us. Then Thomas, which is called Didymus, said unto his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. I don't know what he meant by that. What did he mean? Let us go that we can die. Did he say it just melancholy? Did he say it sort of sympathetically? Did he say it emotionally? Did he really mean that? Let's die with him. Let's be martyrs. But you see the, the extreme positions, extreme statements. When, when Peter said to Jesus, to Jesus when he was going to wash his feet, Peter said, no, you'll never wash my feet. I know better than that. You're the Lord. I'm the servant. He thought he was, but he wasn't serving. He was, he was trying to lead the Lord. He was trying to push the Lord. You're not gonna it's not going to happen to you. Just like you, they'll never send you to, to the cross. They'll never kill you. I won't let that happen in Matthew 16. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense. You're a trap to me. You savor the things of men and not the things of God. So they, they go from these extremes and then Peter says oh no when Jesus said if you don't let me wash your feet you have no part with me you have no dealings with me then Peter said oh not just my hands but my head and my feet and my whole body and here's Timus, uh, uh, Thomas the twin saying oh let us go that we may die with him now don't go you, they might stone you but let us go we'll die with him within a matter of two minutes maybe a minute of conversation went from this way to that way just shows how fickle man really is unless he's anchored in the word of God and in God himself. Then Jesus came, he found him laying in the grave for four days already. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs. If I remember correctly from Australia days when they had those, that British system, eight furlongs was one mile. They were two, uh, two miles away from Jerusalem. And many of the Jews that came to Martha came from there to comfort her. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Mary stayed behind. But Martha, she heard Jesus was coming. She ran out and met him somewhere uh, outside the town. 
and said, Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. I know that. That's, that's showing a lot of faith in his power, in his compassion, but it's second-guessing his timing in his wisdom. Did you, did you know if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened? Did she, she didn't hear the conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And he knew that four days ago. But she now says, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatever you will ask of God, God will give it thee. She had already learned that Jesus was always in conversation with his father, with his father. Jesus was always asking God, what's my next step? What do you want me to do here, Lord? And he said, your brother will rise again. What a beautiful, comforting assurance that we could take promise to ourselves that for those that are, have lost loved ones, our parents, our siblings, our dearest friends, that we could believe they will rise again. We will see them again. The question is, in which state? Go back to chapter 5 of John. Jesus says, there will be those that are in the graves. They, the dead shall hear my voice. And they shall be raised up. Some unto eternal life, some unto damnation. All the dead will hear the voice of God. And all the dead and the living will bow before the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 says, or 2. Every knee shall bow and confess him as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee, whether they believe or not. Some in fear and trepidation and others in joy and adoration. But it will happen. He said, your brother shall rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. You see, the Jews did believe in a resurrection. The Jews believed that there will be a resurrection. King David says, you know, you have not left my, my, me to, to corruption. You have not left my body in hell for corruption. To, but there will be a resurrection. And Peter quoted David when he was talking to the Jews in the book of Acts. This is David speaking about the resurrection. They believed in a resurrection, except for the Sadducees. And then Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? My dear friends outside of Christ, do you believe this? Do you believe this?
If you don't, Paul says you're the most miserable of all men. If we do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, he said if only in this life he has hope, I'm the most miserable of all men. That's what the Sadducees were. That's all they thought about. Eat, drink, and be merry. Eat it up, live it up. Now, because after that, there's nothing left. You Basically, you're eliminated. You're annihilated. That's not the teaching of God in the Old Testament or the New. Whoever believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? He's speaking to the spirit of the man. He will never suffer spiritual death, which is separation from God, if he believes in me. She saith, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which would come into the world. Well, if we believe that he is the Son of God that should come into the world as prophesied by this Old Testament scriptures, then we are to believe what the Son of God has said. Then we are to believe his gospel message that he left behind for us. We can't say we believe he existed and, hope, and think that we can have hope because that is somehow God will look at that and... and, and Grant us everlasting life. What do we need to believe? What Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ died according to the scriptures. That he was buried according to the scriptures. And that he was raised according to the scriptures. Why? He was delivered for our offenses, Romans 3 says, and he was raised for our justification. He was crucified for our sin and he was raised so that we could be justified because he overcame sin, death and hell and we with him can obtain that same resurrection. Being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5 goes on to, to say. That's the kind of faith we need to have. And when I was counselling with our dear sister Lily, I ask these questions. Do you believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. Do you believe he died for your sins? Yes, I do. Do you believe that you're forgiven for your sins? Yes, I do. And she never backed down on that till the very last day. And though she is absent from the body, she is alive. 2 Corinthians 5 says, she's present with the Lord. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which would come into the world. And when she so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly. Because Mary, remember, stayed back, back in the house. And the master said, The master is come and calleth for thee. That's where we get that song, gospel hymns song, if you, some of you remember, the master has come. From this very verse. The master has come and now he's calling Mary to come. 
Mary was a good friend of Jesus, as was Martha and as was Lazarus. He said, call Mary. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out and followed her, saying, she goeth to the grave to weep there. She's going to mourn. But they didn't know that she was being beckoned by the master. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. They were sisters. They thought alike. They knew Jesus. They knew his power. They believed him. But they didn't, well, they second-guessed his wisdom, his ability to time things. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Does God have emotions? Of course he's got emotions. Jesus was God in the flesh and showed his emotions. And he showed us that we are made in his image. We have emotions. Because our emotions, emotions should follow our, our understanding. Not the other way around. Our will doesn't follow, should not follow our emotions, but our emotions should follow the will. Once we know what's going on, then we can rejoice. But we don't do things because we feel like doing it, because I feel sad, I'm going to do this. Because I feel happy, I'm going to do this. Because I feel it's good, it tugs me, I'm going to do this. Is it right before God's eyes? Does God want me to do that? God wants me to get married. I'm going to get married. Did you pray? Did you ask? Is it the time? Is the timing right? There's a lot of things that could go wrong in a process. You do the right things, but at the wrong time. You do the wrong things any time if it's wrong. But Jesus had emotions. He was affected like we are in every respect. Because he was in the flesh. That's why he came in the flesh. So he could feel our pain. So he could know what we're going through. Or feel what we're going through. When Jesus therefore saw the Jews weeping, he groaned. As I mentioned at Brother Mike Palanaki's funeral, when I was studying this, the word groaned here is not the groaning of a mourning groan. It's one that has indignation in it. That's the root Hebrew word. And it was one as, I'm not, I don't know what he was thinking, but I could have just imagined that he was saying, this is where sin leads someone. This is what the, those that follow the teachings of Satan eventually will cause him to die. That's what happened in the garden when, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They said, the, the day you eat of this fruit, ye shall die. And that's what happened. And he's been an eternal enemy of God. 
And the promise came in the garden that the devil was going to crush his heel, but the seed of the woman will crush his head. And it's about to happen in a few days from this chapter when Jesus is crucified and resurrected from the grave to overcome sin, death, and hell. And then Jesus said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And in the English KJV, this is the shortest verse. Jesus wept. Jesus displayed his innermost emotions. He mourned because he saw his people mourn. And they knew that he knew that he was going to raise him up in a few moments, yet he still, he still wept because he had compassion. Many times you'll see people from this pulpit weep. Because we care for you. Because God cares for you. We weep for our children. We weep for our friends. We weep for ourselves. And God has given us pure emotions. Because it makes the countenance better. And it reveals the compassion that those that do have the gospel preached. I remember there was a man, I forget his name now, he's a preacher from England. Every time he got up to, to, to read the word and to preach, he would spend a long time just weeping and praying over the Bible. And it was wet from his initial prayers. It's okay for Jesus to weep. Jesus wept when he came to Jerusalem, to the enemies of Christ. He wept over the city. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you together as a hen gathers the chicks under her wings and you would not. He said, Behold, I left, left you desolate, and you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. It's taken from the same psalm where the hosannas rang out that he prophesied about. Where the, that the children, actually, the, the Jews that, that followed him down into Jerusalem that Palm Sunday were crying out, Hosanna, save us. And here we go again. Behold how they loved him. Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and stone lay upon it. He said take away the stone. Take away the stone. There's a lot, a lot of fanfare with Jesus. There's not a lot of fanfare with what of things he did. He just went and poignantly just told them what they need to do. To Nicodemus, to the Samaritan woman, to, to, to these people here. Take away the stone. 
And when she did that, he that Mary again, Martha complained, or he's probably stinking by now, he's been four days in the grave. Jesus said, I do not. Said, I not unto thee that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Over and over and over, Jesus saying, believe. When are you going to believe me? And then he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, come out. And he that was dead came forth, bound with hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus said unto him, Loose him. Let him go. Jesus' actions silenced the crowd. There was no but, but Lord, did you... When are we going to believe? When are we going to stop doubting what Jesus asks for us to do? May the Lord bless this word. Will the brother please find a hymn? Lazarus was raised from the dead, but then he died again. Indeed, Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. He was the first fruits from the dead, never to die again. And he did that so that we could be justified. When our turn comes, are we going to be ready for him? You know, verse 4 says, When a Christian dies, heaven greets his eyes. For when sorrows here are over, care will no more o'er him hover, who through pain here trod on his way to God. We would travel through pain and sorrow, but then when we cross that heavenly threshold, there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, only eternal joy and bliss. I'm sure Lazarus experienced it and all of his followers of the past have experienced it. I pray that we can all experience that to be forever with the Lord. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.